Welcome to Understanding Christianity. I'm your host, Pastor Sean Cole. I'm the lead pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Sterling, Colorado. I also serve as an adjunct instructor at Colorado Christian University. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. Well, I want to announce the fact that my new book has just come out through Whiff and Stock Publishers. The title of the book is called Your Identity in the Trinity, Discovering God's Grace in the Gospel. And so you can go directly to the publisher. I will put the link in the show notes where you can go purchase the book. It will be available on Amazon here in a few weeks. And I'm very thankful for the privilege of being able to write this, that God gave me the strength and the time and the grace. And I know many of you that have been listening to the podcast and those of you that are part of the Emmanuel Church family know that over the past year um, I've been working on this book. And so finally it's out. And I'm thankful that God has allowed me to be a part of this process to bless the body of Christ. And so what I want to do in this podcast is kind of whet your appetite for the book. Obviously, I can't read the entire book on a podcast, but what I want to do on this podcast is just, I want to read for you the introduction to the book, Your Identity in the Trinity, and then I want to give a little bit of comments on what the book's about and the thesis and and why this book would be helpful. So I just want to begin by just reading for you verbatim the words that I've written from the introduction of the book. So here we go. Late at night after his wife and children go to bed, Frank surfs the internet and finds himself trapped in a hollow world of pornography. Entangled in lust, he fights a deep battle in his heart to understand his true identity in Christ. Michelle's husband recently left her and the children for a more attractive younger woman. She tirelessly works two jobs trying to make ends meet, cannot bring herself to forgive her ex-husband. She's entangled in bitterness in this internal battle to understand her true identity in Christ. Ron is driven by success to climb the corporate ladder at all costs. On the surface, he appears calm, cool, and collected to his co-workers, but when he gets home to his family, he erupts like a volcano. His anger and frustration with life boil under the surface in this battle to understand his true identity in Christ. Melanie is a social butterfly. She's the life of the party who always seems to be, quote, in the know about everyone's business. Most people keep their distance because of her insatiable need to gossip. She's trapped in a web of lying and backstabbing. She's in a battle for her heart and does not understand her true identity in Christ. Darren grew up in a household that didn't have much money. Now as a recent college graduate, he makes good money. He competes with his friends by accumulating more toys, new cars, boats, and game systems. He's unaware of this spiral into materialism, greed, and envy. His appetite for stuff has led him into major credit card debt. Swimming in uncertainty and fear, he's in a battle to understand his true identity in Christ. Frank, Michelle, Ron, Melanie, and Darren are fictional people, but they illustrate a pervasive reality. There are many Christians who struggle to understand their gospel identity in Christ. Why a book on discovering your identity in the Trinity? For many years, I struggled with understanding my identity in Christ. I knew that Jesus saved me by grace and that I would one day spend eternity with him in heaven, but I did not have a full grasp on the richness of the gospel. As a teenager and young adult, I lived my life trying to please God through my own effort to somehow achieve this higher plane of spirituality and victory over all known sin. After numerous failures and trips to the altar to, quote, rededicate my life, I often questioned my salvation. I lacked both the assurance that God had saved me 
And I also wondered if I would ever make any progress in holiness. Through my own personal Bible study, struggle with sin, the encouragement of godly mentors, and the writings of great theologians, I've grown in my understanding in the, I've grown in understanding my identity in the Trinity. In the opening pages of his famous book, The Confession, St. Augustine writes, quote, You stir man to take pleasure in praising you because you've made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. End quote. That described me for many years. I was restless because I did not entirely rest in what the triune God accomplished for me in redemption. We exist to display God's glory, declare God's gospel, and disciple for God's great commission. Instead of embracing these truths, many Christians have believed the lie that their identity in Christ does not affect how they live their lives in obedience to Him. The gospel tells us that being, identity, comes before doing, obedience. This lack of understanding our gospel identity frequently results in either legalistic pride or frustrating guilt. The purpose of this book is to help believers understand their identity in the three persons of the Trinity and then joyfully serve God with gospel obedience. The gospel indicatives in the Bible serve as the fountain motivation and power for obeying the moral imperatives in the Bible. The gospel roots our assurance of salvation and motivation to obey God in our identity, not in moralism, which elevates our performance instead of exalting the finished work of Christ. I'm indebted to the works of the Puritan John Owen, who has dramatically influenced my theology as well as my understanding of the process of Christian growth and godliness. Over a decade ago, I read his book, Communion with God, Fellowship with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which opened my eyes to the riches of our gospel identity in each person of the Trinity. Written in 1657, this extensive treatment of the subject has heavily impacted my thinking and theology and put me on a trajectory to learn more about who we are in the triune God. Owen motivated me to study the doctrine of the Trinity more deeply, not only for biblical orthodoxy, but also for personal doxology. In other words, the more I learned about my identity in each person of the Trinity, the more my heart became inflamed to worship and submit to our great God. There is no shortage of books on the gospel, Christian growth and sanctification. What sets this book apart is that no other modern work specifically demonstrates how Christians find their identity in each person of the Trinity. Also, this book will give practical application of how to obey Christ out of the overflow of that Trinitarian identity. In chapters 1 and 2, we will explore how the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, as well as the truths surrounding the gospel of Christ. Chapter 3 serves as the thesis and heart of the book, which addresses the importance of discovering our identity in the Trinity. In chapters 4 through 6, we focus on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, respectively, and show how we find our assurance of salvation in this gospel identity. Our identity in the Trinity is not without its struggles. Chapter 7 and 8 will address the deceitfulness of indwelling sin and how we struggle daily between our flesh and the Spirit. Chapter 9, we will learn how to grow in Christ by decisively killing sin through the power of the Holy Spirit. Chapters 10 through 13 will center on the positive way we obey the Lord through an examination of how the early church in Acts 2 practiced the means of grace. We will explore four practices to help us grow in our Trinitarian identity. Scripture saturation, the intimacy of prayer, the celebration of baptism and Lord's Supper, and practicing the gospel one another's, otherwise known as fellowship. 
Chapter 14 will encourage us to obey the Great Commission as we seek to live out our gospel identity in a lifestyle of evangelism. Chapter 15 will explore how God ordains our suffering as a means to strengthen us in our identity in the Trinity. Who should read this book? If you struggle with assurance of salvation, this book is for you. If you tend to approach obedience to God out of either guilt or legalism, this book is for you. If you struggle to overcome temptation and habitual sin, this book is for you. I hope that this book helps those who've experienced frustration in their walk with Christ, do not have a sound theological grasp on the gospel, and have possibly embraced some false doctrines. If you desire to grow spiritually in Christ and serve Him with joyful obedience, this book provides a practical theology for how to practice the means of grace, word, prayer, fellowship, baptism, and Lord's Supper, and evangelism. As you as joyful responses to whom the triune God has called and promised us to become conformed to the image of Christ. I am the first to admit that I am not an expert in fully understanding my identity in the Trinity. I'm also not an expert in wholehearted and joyful obedience to the Lord as I fail many times. Yet I am a pilgrim on a journey to go deeper into the depths of the gospel so that I can fully enjoy the one God who's revealed himself to us in three distinct persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. As a fellow sojourner, I invite you along on this pilgrimage so that together we can rest and rejoice in all that our great God has done for us in the gospel. I'm a preacher at heart and love to stand before God's people every Sunday and exposit his word. This book is a product of over 15 years of preaching expositionally through the Bible. Much of the material in this book comes from sermons I preached at Emanuel Baptist Church in Sterling, Colorado. I've seen these truths transform God's people firsthand, and I'm excited to share them with you. In his book, The Supremacy of God in Preaching, John Piper quotes Scottish preacher James Stewart, quote, The aims of all genuine preaching are to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination by the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God, end quote. I pray that what you read in this book will do just that. Soli Deo Gloria. That's the introduction to the book. And so that just kind of sets forth what's the book about. Now, I do want to give you the thesis because in chapter 3, basically I give what our identity in the Trinity is. And so I will go ahead and give that to you as it relates to each um, person of the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so um, it's a summary statement that can be stated like this. Um, We are chosen, adopted, and accepted by the Father. So in the chapter on our relationship to the Father, we talk about what it means to be chosen. We talk about the doctrine of predestination. We talk about what it means to be adopted by God and, and, and the whole doctrine of adoption. Then we talked about, talk about what it means to be accepted by the Father, how the Father accepts us and loves us as our Heavenly Father. And so that's who we are in the Father. And then at the end of the chapter, we talk about, okay, what's our response? Well, we, in response, glorify the Father in an attitude of humility. So that's who we are in the Father. Okay, then, then we move on to who we are in the Son, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. So we are purchased, forgiven, and righteous in the Son. So we talk about being purchased. What does it mean to be redeemed, 
talk about the doctrine of propitiation and what Jesus did for us on the cross and a substitutionary atonement. Talk about forgiveness. What does it mean for Jesus to give us absolute forgiveness, to forgive us of our sins and what that means? And then what does it mean to be righteous in the, in the Son? This is a, a treatment on the doctrine of, of imputation, the doctrine of justification by faith alone and what that means for our identity in Jesus. And so that's our identity in the Son. So how do we respond to Jesus? Well, we respond in two ways. We treasure Jesus as supremely valuable. So we'll talk about what it means to treasure Jesus. And then we submit to him as Lord and King. So that whole chapter on Jesus and our identity in the Son focuses on that. Well, the third person of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. So what is our identity in the Holy Spirit? Well, we are regenerated, indwelt, and sanctified by the Spirit. So we talk about how we're totally unable to come to Christ on our own because we're spiritually dead in sins and we need to be regenerated. So we talk about the role of the Holy Spirit in regenerating us, causing us to be born again. Then we talk about the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, how he comes and lives inside of us, the very Spirit of God that's been given to us as a deposit to live inside of us, and then how he's continually sanctifying us. He's growing us in holiness. And so we respond to the Spirit of God by relying upon his power to produce his fruit in our lives. So so again, we are chosen, adopted, and accepted by the Father. We're purchased, forgiven, and righteous in the Son. We're regenerated, indwelled, and sanctified by the Spirit. So those three chapters deal with that. Then we also talk about the role of law and gospel, how we do need to obey the commands of Scripture, but we do that out of our gospel identity, out of what God has done for us as the motivation. And so we move into the next section of the book that talks about sin. There's a chapter on the deception of sin, why sin is so deceitful, what it does to us and deceives us, how it lies to us, how it hides the consequences uh, from us. And then there's another chapter on the struggle with sin. Um, is it just let go and let God? Is it just this passivity where, where basically you, you have this higher victorious life where you, you don't do anything in your own spiritual growth? Is, is any effort sinful? What, what is this battle with sin? If I, if I struggle with sin, does that mean that I'm not a true Christian? We, we deal with all of that in that chapter. And then, then the last chapter that we have on sin, we deal with what's called mortification of sin. A lot of the principles from John Owen again in his teaching on temptation and mortification of sin just means that using Romans 8.13, that by the Spirit, we must put to death the deeds of the body. Okay, so, so we talk about sin. Then the, the last part of the book, we deal with the means of grace. In Acts chapter 2, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to the prayers, to fellowship. The Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so we see the ordinary means of grace. So we talk about the importance of Scripture saturation. What does it mean to sit under expository preaching? How do you undergo personal Bible study where you can saturate yourself in the Scriptures? We talk about prayer. There's a whole chapter on prayer, using the Lord's Prayer as a model and a template for for guiding how we pray. Then there's a whole section on baptism and the Lord's Supper. It's from a Reformed Baptist perspective, so it's going to be talking about baptism by immersion, but it spends more time on just um, the Lord's Supper and what it means as the spiritual presence of Christ in the Supper uh, as a means of grace to grow us in our, our walk with Christ. 
Then there's a whole section or a whole chapter on the gospel, one another's, loving one another, welcoming one another, forgiving one another, bearing the burdens of one another, encouraging one another, praying for one another. How do we live out our Christianity in community? Then we talk about the Great Commission. What is the Great Commission? Why is Jesus given it to us? How do we do evangelism? Um, what is successful, quote-unquote, evangelism? What's the role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism? What's the, the deadness of, of human beings that are lost and blind? How, how does that work in evangelism? And so we talk about that. And then I really felt like we needed to have a final chapter on suffering. Um, I talk about the struggles that my wife and I went through as parents of a special need child. I talk about Jacob wrestling with God. We talk about just how God has ordained us to go through suffering. And that's a key part of our identity in the Trinity is that we are ordained to go through suffering. And how do you suffer well in the gospel? And then in the conclusion, we wrap everything up and we just wrap it all up. And I give what are called seven gospel affirmations, seven statements from Titus chapter three that just tie up everything about who we are in the gospel. So uh, this book has been a product of my own personal study, sermons I've preached, my own struggle with sin, reading of the Reformers and the Puritans and others, just to kind of get a grasp on who I am in Christ. And so I really pray that this book is a blessing to the body of Christ. I hope that you go out and purchase it, buy it for a friend, buy it for yourself. Um, This is is a labor of love that um, I've worked a lot of years kind of coming to this point. It's been percolating through sermons, percolating through my own personal time, percolating in my thoughts and in just how I've grown in my own personal walk with Christ. And I just want to share it with the body of Christ. And so I'm very thankful to my church family. I'm thankful to my elders who gave me time and permission to set aside to write this. And they've been supportive all the way through. So a shout out goes to the elders at Emmanuel who've been very, very supportive. Uh, My church family has been so, so encouraging, so supportive, uh, so prayerful. I couldn't have asked for more support from my church family. I'm thankful for my mom and dad. Uh, They've read some of this in advance and kind of encouraged me and helped me along the way. Um, I'm thankful for them. Um, I'm also thankful for those who endorsed the book. Uh, There are are five men that have endorsed the book. Um, Jim Shaddix, he is the preaching professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was the pastor of Riverside Baptist Church here in Denver for many years, and he and I developed a good friendship, and he was so gracious to endorse the book. Uh, Dr. Herschel York, who is the, the dean of theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. He was my doctoral supervisor when I got my doctorate, and he was gracious enough to read and endorse the book. Uh, Dr. Nathan Lorick, good friend. He is the executive director of the Colorado Baptist General Convention. He is our convention leader, and he was gracious enough to endorse it and read it. Uh, Dr. Earl Wagner, Um, I've known Earl for a long time. He used to be a professor at Gateway Seminary uh, back when I was getting my MDiv, but now he is the Dean of Biblical Studies at Colorado Christian University. So in my CCU, Colorado Christian Universe, uh, he's my supervisor, and um, I had a great chance to sit down with him a few weeks ago in California when I was at the Evangelical Theological Society meeting for the Far West region. Uh, He was out there, and we got to talk about the book and how it had impacted him and how he just really appreciated it. And then 
Mark Halleck, who's pastor of Calvary Church Inglewood, uh, church planning network in Denver, um, just a, a great leader in the state of Colorado um, who's doing a lot of great things for the gospel. I was thankful for him doing that. And I'm also very thankful for Dr. Jeff Orge. Uh, Dr. Orge is the president of Gateway Seminary, formerly known as Golden Gate Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, he was gracious enough to write the foreword. And I was very blessed by his kind words and the foreword of the book. And so Dr. Orge um, at Gateway Seminary, I'm very appreciative. And then um, I'm very appreciative to my wife. Uh, she's been supportive to me all the way through. Dawn has been a gracious wife and encourager and helped me. She's proofread and she's challenged me and she's um, questioned me. And she's just been um, as iron sharpens iron. I couldn't ask for a better gift from the Lord than my wife and um, my two boys as well, who have just been an encouragement to me. And so most of all, the praise goes to the Lord alone. I start the book with Soli Dei Gloria, and I end the book with Soli Deo Gloria, to the glory of God alone. I don't want to receive any glory in this book at all. I want all of the glory to go to our triune God, the Father the Son, the Holy Spirit, in whom I have experienced a glorious new identity. And I pray that you have this identity in the Trinity and you have discovered God's grace in the gospel. So, new book's out. I know some of you have been waiting for it. I encourage you to go find it. It'll be on Amazon eventually in the next couple weeks. You can go directly to the publisher, Whiff and Stock Publishers. I'm thankful for them and all those that work there, uh, my copy editors and, and those that have that worked hard to, to get it out there as well. And I'll put the link there in the show notes. And so until the next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. And as I always say, may you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Thanks for listening to Understanding Christianity. <laughs>